We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're talking tight ends on Roto Biz Radio. What's up, Roto Biz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We're two of the owners here at Rotoviz on a Friday in August, inching closer and closer to the NFL season. We could not be more excited, but I will have you know that as we're getting ready for this, my co-host is staring at his phone with a face pensive. Uh, agitated, uh, almost, I would say, in agony. And that is because he is trying to determine his next move in an FFPC best ball tournament draft. He's floating questions out to me. So I actually had a question about tight ends lined up for this episode. So we're going to lump this all together because what I was curious about was if we looked at players based upon um, their Rotoviz rankings or their ADP that stem from Hunter Henry down to uh, like Blake Jarwin, right? I want to know which tight end in that range Curtis thinks has the best shot at breaking out and finishing as a top six tight end. Uh, so we will run through that list. But first, I will ask Curtis if he's going to make it over there and if he's doing all right. Yeah, man. Uh, we've, we, we've reached the point where I just care way too much about each draft that I'm doing. Um, uh, yeah, that may sound funny to say, cause I mean, we love fantasy. That's why we're doing the drafts, but I mean, I'm agonizing over round 11 pick in an FFPC <laughs> best ball tournament draft. And it is, uh, it's August 9th. Uh, there's a long, <laughs> there's a long way to go. Um, and so, you know, I, yeah, I really, really appreciate, um, you know, being able to bounce this type of question, you know, off of such a sharp group, uh, at Rotoviz. I've actually hit, uh, a couple of rounds ago, I actually hit, um, you and Sean and Blair up, uh, just for, uh, what would you do here without even tipping my hand, uh, what my thought was uh, a couple of rounds ago. And so this, this draft has really just, um, come into play and I don't want to whiff on this pick. Um, and so we're sitting here at 11-4, Dave, and Mike Gesicki 
is still available. It's about uh, 24 picks past ADP. I've already got Logan Thomas on this squad. And, you know, my thought is, you know, in a tight end premium format, do I go with the Logan Thomas and Mike Gesicki stack and be done at tight end? Uh, or do I opt to continue to hammer wide receiver in this spot? There's, there's two wide receivers in particular uh, I'm considering here uh, that, that I like a lot. Hollywood Brown, uh, Marquise Brown is available. His ADP is really depressed in the last week or two uh, because of the hamstring inj- injury. Uh, but reports were pretty positive before that. So it might be a window of opportunity to get some Hollywood Brown exposure. Uh, and everyone knows I'm a big fan of that player. And then also um, Henry Ruggs. In our last episode, we talked about um, you know Henry Ruggs and Derek Carr being a stack that we, we both like a, a little bit. And uh, I, I like the idea of a Henry Ruggs breakout season on this squad. So I, I'm weighing Gasicki versus those two receivers. And the only way I can pass on Gasicki is if I find a, a late round out um, or potentially two other uh, late round outs uh, that will make me feel better about passing on this extreme value. So uh, this is a very timely discussion. Um, and uh, yeah, so we're going to, we're going to explore uh tight end upside from, from this, you know, group of mid tight end twos. Is that the exercise here? Yeah, it is. Uh, so here's the funny thing is Curtis and I just discovered the list that we're looking at was driven mainly off of Rotoviz rankings. I like Jared cook so much that he's in, not even in the list that I'm about to read to you in case you were wondering. So we have Hunter Henry, Rob Gronkowski, Austin Hooper, Cole Komet, Zach Ertz, Tyler Higby, Adam Troutman, Eric Ebron, Pat Fryermuth, Dawson Knox, Dalton Schultz, Gerald Everett, Anthony Furks, Anthony Ferkser, Blake Jarwin, and Albert O. There are two names that originally stood out to me here, Curtis, when we're talking big potential for upside. <laughs> I'm curious if they're the same names that you would have identified. If you looked at this list and you saw the two names, you said, okay, I could see a ton of potential there. Not to say that in the majority of outcomes, they realize it, but that there is some potential for, you know, that top end, that top six tight end type of finish. Who do you think those guys are? Well, if it weren't for Hunter Henry's injury uh, coming into the picture here, uh, he, he may have been one, um, yep. but I think it's also a little bit complicated in New England with um, Johnny Smith also being, you know, part of the picture there. So we'll we'll gloss over that. The the name that really screams out to me, and when my redraft rankings are added to the mix here, I don't think that he'll actually be down in this range in our rankings, even though he's down there in ADP. Is Cole Komet? Mm, okay. Um, uh, yeah. So that that would be target number one. Um, and and a lot of this is driven by me being such a Justin Fields believer. I think it's going to be very apparent to Chicago that they're going to want to make that swap earlier in the season. Um, you know, I shouldn't assume rational coaching. We got into this a couple weeks ago. Uh, I think talking about, you know, if we were just trying to preserve our jobs and we were Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace, it would make sense to start Dalton for the majority of the season and then just give enough of fields at the end that it's like, all right, well, this was a punt year and fields has the upside and we need to get a chance to, to trot him out. Um, But I also think that fields is just way, way better than Andy Dalton. Um, and is going to unlock some upside in that passing offense uh, for a team that's going to need to score to compete in a division with Green Bay and 
uh, Minnesota in particular. So, uh, you know, Komet, very athletic. Um, Jimmy Graham, you know, on the downward uh, descent of his career and beyond, beyond Allen Robinson. Uh, I mean, target share is wide open. Um, Darnell Mooney showed uh, some upside last year, but he's going to draw way different types of targets than Cole Komet. Um, Mooney's a, a downfield threat. Um, and, and, you know, could, could also, you know, run some of the, you know, the, the drags and crossers, uh, and, and accumulate some yak, but Komet being a, you know, really the favorite probably for all of those red zone looks and also as a chain mover, um, you know, with Allen Robinson, I think is pretty exciting. So I could definitely see him having some tight end one or even higher upside and in, in a real like true breakout situation. Yep. And then the other one based off of what's happening in team context uh, would be Adam Troutman. Yep. Um, because I mean, New Orleans is freaking dumpster fire uh, of, of late. So those are the two names I'm drawn to. It seemed like you were surprised by Komet. So I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of curious maybe who your other name was because it sounds like maybe I didn't hit on him. Yeah. So, well, one of them definitely was Troutman. Uh, Hunter Henry, you're right. Before the injury, I probably could have made a pretty compelling case of how that would happen. Um, Komet, I actually didn't see coming. Now, I feel actually uncomfortable offering this up, but it's Tyler Higby. And the reason that I would include him here is he's one of the few players that's still young enough that's on this list that has precedent of putting up a you know pretty terrific season on the same team that he's currently at. We saw Gerald Everett exit the picture. They're potentially bringing in a much better passer than they had in golf. And I shouldn't say potentially, uh, but they're bringing in a better quarterback. And the potential comes from the fact that Sean McVay really might be able to utilize Stafford in a way that we didn't expect. And as a function of just playing in such a tremendous offense, uh, we see Tyler Higby able to really ascend. Uh, and I will say that though there's a lot of players there, there's really Woods and cup at wide receiver. There's no guarantee that Van Jefferson is going to play a big role. There's no guarantee that Deshaun Jackson is available for any, you know, extended period amount of time. We'll have to see. So I think that there's a case that you could make for Tyler Higby. Um, as I've said though, before I have felt uncomfortably, um, high on Tyler Higby. Like when I went through my projections process and from looking at some other things, like it's not lining up with where I originally felt like I would be on him heading into the season. Well, I don't necessarily have a problem calling Higby, you know, a, you know, a threat for tight end one status or even, you know, even, you know, six to eight yep. range uh, status. Uh, I think the issue here, though, is, I mean, you got to take him in the seventh round of a draft. And so, you know, the list right. that we're looking at is is our our road of his rankings and not ADP and, and Blair Andrews just clear hate of Tyler Higby <laughs> has driven him, has driven him off of every road of his subscribers draft. Board. Um, so, so that's, that's what's, you know, that that's the situation. Yeah. I mean, Higby is just not available anywhere near the range of these other players, but shows up in our rankings there uh, because evidently Tyler Higby um, like forgot to feed Blair's cat one time uh, on vacation or something. So Blair Andrews, um, and, and that's, that's <laughs> you gotta, you gotta give him credit. I've never met somebody as uh willing to just like float out there exactly what they think, like unabashedly as Blair. Uh, so needless to say, Tyler Higby's taking the brunt of it. 
Yeah. So, so I, yeah, I don't have a problem at all, Dave. And I, I mean, I think you're actually, you probably are more closer to properly rating Higby. Um, I think it, our, our whole team is low on Higby versus ADP. Um, drafting him tight end nine over Logan Thomas seems insane to me. Yep. Um, and even, and even now with Aaron Rodgers being back, I'm not so sure I even like Higby better than like Robert Tunyon um, or even, you know, versus a player players who could maybe assert themselves more easily in their offense, like Adam Troutman or Mike Kosicki. Um, There's just more to compete with there uh, in, in Los Angeles. But I do, I mean, that's, I could see myself drafting Higby, um, if he fell, you know, far below ADP, like he's not like off my board to the right. point that he is, you know, w- with Blair. So I think I see eye to eye with you on that one. Um, it's just that he's not going to be available anywhere near, you know, these, these other guys. Um, you know, I think um, in terms of, of other uh, reasons for a little bit of optimism there, you know, Gerald Everett leaving um, I, the, the team is is going to run a different version, you know, of, of their offense. I mean, it's not going to be the same offense that we saw, you know, with all the, the 12 personnel um, there when both tight ends were, were healthy over the past couple of years, um, unless Jacob Harris uh, continues to, you know, ascend throughout training camp uh, in the preseason. And if that happens, that'll actually have, you know, the opposite of the, you know, ideal of, uh, effect there on Tyler Higby. So you're hoping for, you know, a lot of 11 personnel three wide with Higby operating, as the lone big man and across the middle of the field um, in in order for him to kind of hit his optimal, his optimal. So, you know, the rest of the guys on the list, I mean, I think there's some reason maybe for some upside uh, in particular in best ball with Rob Gronkowski. And he seemed to look a little healthier as the year went on Um, the the rust coming off, you know, keeping the weight off um, seems very comfortable in Tampa Bay. And, you know, I think, you know, while I don't think he's going to have elite reception numbers, I mean, I could definitely see Gronk scoring 10 touchdowns. Like, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me at all. So uh, that, that could, you know, push him, you know, with, with the relative lack of, of upside at the position, you know, 10 touchdown season, as we saw from Tunyon last year, will really vault a player up the board. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, um, not to move off of that too quickly here, but it just occurred to me that one name I actually am curious to float out there, so I don't want to forget, Anthony Ferkser, right? I have heard some people make a case that when you look at this offense, and of course, Arthur Smith not there anymore, right? Um, Who, you know, maybe was a bigger fan of using tight ends than the coaching staff that we're going to see now. Um, so maybe you can't extrapolate, you know, some of the priors that we've seen, but I've seen people trying to make a case for him, um, as like a bit of a tight end sleeper, given the fact that the wide receiver core, you know, it's really Julio and, uh, AJ Brown at the top and then not too much else that's super compelling. And then with Derek Henry in the backfield, you're not going to have a back taking away a lot of targets. You have any thought on Tennessee? Um, and if he is the type of player that might have as much upside as people want, I do believe though, that there's been talk coming out of Tennessee that it might not even be clear that he has, you know, the tight end one spot entirely wrapped up. Yeah. It's before Julio, it made a lot more sense to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, Ferkser's skill set is really, I mean, he's a receiver only, he doesn't bring anything else to the table. Um, so the, the good news is, is that, you know, he's on the field, he's going to be running a route because he can't really do anything else. Um, but at the same time, you know, we don't expect 
the, the most likely thing is that Tennessee is not going to be a super high volume passing offense. And the most likely thing is that Julio Jones and AJ Brown um, will command most of the high value targets in that offense. And so when you look at the range that Ferkser is going in, none of the other, none of the other receivers in round 12, which is where the ADP lies, none of the other tight ends except for Rob Gronkowski have that type of complement of receiver around them. So like his path to his path to a break breakout probably would need to involve an injury. Um, whereas Jared cook in round 12, um, you know, he it's, it's basically him versus Mike Williams, uh, for being, you know, well, and maybe Austin Eckler in terms of being, uh, number two for those high value, uh, receiving looks uh, in LA, but I would rather have my tight end competing with that than Julio and AJB. Um, and then, you know, Cole Komet, who we've already talked about going, you know, just one positional slot after Ferkser. I just think the, the path is much easier there uh, in, in Chicago and he's a much more talented player. Um, the only other uh, tight end going in this range is, is Blake Jarwin. I probably would prefer Ferkser to Jarwin at this point because I'm still not certain about the health. Um, and Dalton Schultz uh, was good enough last year that I think they could end up potentially splitting a lot of those looks and Schultz is a better value as a result of that. So, uh, but yeah, I don't, I think it, the specific question on the show sheet is, you know, do any of these tight ends have a chance of becoming a top six uh, at the position, I, I would act, I would say a firm no on Ferkser. I just don't I don't see that being a realistic outcome. Yeah, I actually didn't ever really see that as a possibility. I can remember when I made my first pass through uh, projections and rankings. Um, I think we actually had a, a subscriber who was like curious, shot me a message, but I thought about him, and I went back and took a little bit more of a look, and I just you know couldn't find something that was compelling enough to really get him yeah. on my radar. Uh, so I think that that's an interesting list, you know, the odds of one of these players actually making that happen are pretty low, but it's always a good type of exercise to run through, especially from when you're building out that back end of your roster. And as we've talked about with that reverse engineering concept, you have some of those guys already in your mind, see how they might fit into your team, uh, and have them ready on file for your draft. Let's move along here though, Curtis. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. 
a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right. You seem to be a major advocate of a one Rashad Penny this year as evidenced by your ridiculous, ridiculous, uh, 45%. Um, ro- you rostered him. I believe you told me on 45% of best ball rosters, uh, at least on one platform at this point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's at 46, 46%. Oh God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I must've taken him, uh, one extra time. Uh, since we, we, you know, last talked about that. So, yeah, I mean, it is what it is, Dave. Um, it is what it is. Um, you know, Penny is, is so much cheaper, uh, than he was, uh, in the previous two seasons, uh, as a potential sleeper, you know, as a rookie, he was pretty expensive. Um, you know, he's, you know, highly regarded, uh, in, in many dynasty circles, you know, just a super prolific, prolific, uh, college player, you know, he had, had the, you know, great speed score, 230 plus pound back 2000 yard rusher going to a high volume rushing offense. Uh, and then, you know, Chris Carp, uh, Chris Carson continued to be a thing and Pete Carroll's doghouse uh, continued to be a thing. And, uh, you know, so we, we saw a lot of uh, wasted time. We've also seen some, some injuries uh, derail Penny's early career. Uh, but he's fully back. He is, uh, by all accounts, uh, excelling in, in Seahawks camp. Um, he's down to 222. Uh, so he's lost uh, 10 pounds versus his prior playing weight and uh, said to, to look a step faster you know, than he's ever been since he's been there in Seattle. And he's a player. He was really immature. I mean, he was super immature you know, coming to league, uh, I think, you know, both from a, a, a you know, it's a personal standpoint and just from an age standpoint, very young player coming into the NFL and uh, seems to have been taken under Chris Carson's wing. You know, they really, they tweet a lot about, you know, being a one, two combo Carson actually uh, back when he first resigned with Seattle is back like in March, I think said that, you know, he thought him and Penny would be the best one, two combo in the NFL this year. And that wasn't followed like with a, you know, symbol crash of, you know, because I'm going to be the overall running back one, you know, it's like, you know, saying Jerry Rice, Jerry Rice and any other wide receiver are the best, you know, combo. I don't think that's where Carson was coming from. I mean, I think he actually, and, you know, thinks he's going to be splitting, you know, touches uh, with Penny in this backfield. If things go according to plan, Uh, my exposure to Penny predates, you know, all of those developments. It, It really had to do with what we've seen from him in the, brief opportunities uh, that he's had to shine. He's looked like an elite player, man. Um, you know, the game splits app, you know, the, we can talk about the danger of small samples, but when it's, when it's confirming your original thoughts on a player uh, and he's performing in the context of the same offense, that's not a fluke play here or there. Um, you know, that matters. And, and so this really just goes back to my original enthusiasm around the player and my unwillingness to give up on him. Um, cause I don't think the reason that he hasn't performed is a lack of talent. It's been, it's been injury and 
being in, you know, the coach, the coaching doghouse there. We haven't really seen the team offer him a chance to, you know, have a lion share of the offense, except uh, via injury. The root of his game splits app, Rashad Penny's career, just three games, Dave, just three games from Penny where he's had 10 or more rushing attempts. Would you care to guess his average uh, fantasy output in those three games with 10 rushing attempts? Trying to see if I can recall the games. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, you would probably probably remember them because yeah, there have been too many. All right, which stat yeah. do you want? What, what, do you, what do you want me to give you here? Uh, just, I mean, just you to guess what his average PPR output has been in the games where he's had 10 rushing attempts. I'm going to say 17. Yeah, that's a, it's a good guess, but it's, it's even too low. It's 20.8. Whoa. 20.8. 20. You know, he's, I mean, whatever he extrapolated it to a full season or whatever. And he didn't even like, it's not like, okay, well, one of those games, he had 28 carries. Yep. Like, you know, if you, we can, he's played so a few games we can go just, you know, specifically into the game logs on these. They were all occurred in 2019. He had 10 rushes in week two, 14 rushes in week 12 and uh, 15 rushes in week 13. You know, he scored 13.5, 18.9, 26.7 PPR in those games scored a rushing touchdown in each of those games and had a total of seven receptions. So, I mean, you know, he was basically a better version of Chris Carson uh, level production in those games. I mean, when he's had the chance he's produced to I me, mean, his full season pace in the games where he's had 10 rushes, the 1,659 rushing yards, 16 rushing TDs on just 219 rushing attempts. Um, you know, so again, I don't want to make too much of this. It's three games and the games occurred two years ago, but I think ta- I think Penny is objectively talented at the position. He has a side speed compliment to be a true star in the NFL, if he gets his chance and the team has not given up on him, even though, you know, there has been injury uh, and, you know, kind of a bad romance the first couple years in the league, you know, with the coaching staff. So that's why I'm in on him. And he's just so cheap now. Um, he's just so cheap this year. He doesn't, he's not going to tank your draft if, if you whiff on him uh, and, you know, like he would have done in, in prior years. So, I mean, I've got to go all the way down to RB52. Uh, you know, we talk about A back, B back, right? Um, lots of articles on our site about that over the years. You know, those ADP gaps can put us on certain types of players. You know, I just think, man, if, if Carson were to go down, I think Penny's a league winner. And I also think he's relevant at ADP. If he just stays healthy this year, um, I think he'll outperform his RB52 positional ADP. So, uh, Dave, Am I absolutely delusional Um, or do you see anything there with Penny? So actually, I think that you bring up a player that's very easy to forget about. But when one actually starts thinking about it, there's more of a reason to be thinking about Rashad Penny than a lot of other running backs. Like the first guy that I thought of here is somebody like Alexander Madison. Right now, do you have Madison's ADP handy? Uh, yeah, I've got the, uh, this is a, this is actually a window that I never close. Uh, I never close this window on my Mac. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, I'm just constantly refreshing it, um, you know, every day. So this is, um, within our best ball suite of tools and it's the ADP as a draft grid. So I'm always 
constantly checking, you know, what's happened in the last week. What does a draft board look like uh, today? So Alexander Madison, um, he is RB 47. Yep. Uh, and he's going two and a half round, about two and a half rounds uh, before Penny. Right. So do we see any chance really where Cook and Madison are spreading the work in a way that Madison's seeing anything significant? I'd say that's pretty unlikely, right? You start talking about a guy like Rashad Penny, I think the chances are pretty decent that you see a split that at least makes him somewhat relevant week to week. And then, like you said, there's a lot of potential. And I think the other thing with Penny too, when you lay it out the way you did, there is a possibility that Penny could overtake Carson. So I'm not saying that these things are likely, but when you start thinking about running backs in that range, guys that are backup running backs, that's probably a combination that's hard to come by on an offense that you actually would be interested in in having parts of. So I actually think that you make a case that makes me realize that Penny is a fairly unique player this year and probably somebody <clears> that we should be drafting uh, at the back ends of uh, drafts. So I, I like it, Curtis. I'll, I think I'll that's throw a good this point. statement out. Yep. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw this statement out here. So after, I think that Rashad Penny is the only running back capable of being a league winner that you can draft after round 10. You know, Tony Pollard is going in round 10 and that's honestly probably too expensive this year. We've talked about that yep. before um, because of his appeal um, as a, a handcuff and, you know, his, his boom game uh, last year when Zeke was out, uh, people now see and recognize that upside. And, you know, so he's going almost as running back three when the team is kind of indicating that you know, Zeke's in the best shape of his career and you know, probably going to reprise his role. And Zeke gets so much of that receiving game uh, share that, you know, Pollard's really just a true change of pace guy, not really a 1B committee type player. Um, and then you even go into round nine. You're talking about you know, A.J. Dillon. Would A.J. Dillon actually be a potential league winner if Aaron Jones went down? I'm not so sure uh, because we don't know if the team would actually pass him the ball. He did not display that uh, that skill set in, in college. Um, and, you know, we've got Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette in that, in that range. You go up to round eight, Melvin Gordon and Zach Moss. Um, no Buffalo Bills running back is going to be a league winner, whether it's Singletary in 12 or Moss in, in eight because of uh, what Josh Allen does uh, on the ground, you know, with his legs being a true running threat still at this point in his career versus Russell Wilson now kind of transitioning into just picking up what's there, you know, when it's there. Then you get into round seven, Dave, Raheem Mostert, Damian Harris, James Robinson. I, I can't see any of them being league winners. Um, the, the either because of the, the offenses uh, and the way that uh, they're constructed or the fact that they also would not catch the ball or, you know, just the presence of, you know, other talent there, even beyond just the other primary ball carrier, you know, the 49ers also have, um, you know, Jeff Wilson, in addition to uh, Trey Sermon. And if things go like we think, Trey Lance going to be running the ball, Josh Allen situation all over again. Patriots are not going to pass Damian Harris in the ball. And James Robinson has Travis Etienne uh, to deal with there. So you got to get into round six with like Javante Williams, maybe being, maybe being a league winner type. Then you get into round five, Miles <laughs> Gaskin, Kareem Hunt. Could they really be? Could they really be league winners? I think Kareem Hunt could if Chubb was gone all season. We saw 
uh, that from him last year. So that's that's the how high you have to go to find a, a league winner, even if the player in front of him is injured. Rashad Penny's sitting here in the freaking fourteenth round, um, and so like that. That's why I've staked so much of my twenty twenty one season on him. I mean, he's free in and in the the small windows that we've seen into to what look like not even bell cow level work but just 1a committee level work 10 to 15 rushes the times that he's been given that workload in, in seattle he's smashed um so yeah i'm staking 46 percent of my my best ball leagues on him this year and I, and I think you know he's absolute must draft uh in the next week or two probably next week my 2021 must draft running backs article will come out. That is the article that gave you Kareem Hunt last year. Um, Rashad Penny is going to be a cover boy this year, Dave. So uh, I'm glad we got to talk about this. I don't know if that was an appropriate sound effect. I've just been waiting to use and I was trying to find something positive. <laughs> so instead, we'll go with a, we'll give some applause for Rashad Penny. Because I, I mean, I actually, I completely get that case and I think it makes a ton of sense. Uh, so I'm looking forward to reading that article. I know it's definitely one of those must reads among others that start coming out this time of year. So, you know, it's obligatory for me at this point to mention that you definitely, if you are listening to this, need to go out if you have not already done so and get that Rotovis subscription so that we can do our best to help you take home some fantasy titles this year. Uh but I also think that these are things that really will help you, you know, in addition to, you know, wanting to just draw more people into what we have going on at the site. So, Curtis, it's a Friday, August, it's the summer. Hopefully the weather's still nice for everybody. What do you have to send us out here on today? Well, uh, we talked earlier this week about my trip to Jamaica, and I'm actually going to bring just a little bit of, of wisdom back uh, from, from that culture. It was just so refreshing. It's just, a, just such a happy time, man. Um, you know, I know when you, when you start thinking about the context of the entire country um, and, and the poverty that exists there, um, it, it's a little bit more sobering. Um, but, you know, of course, I'm there as a tourist, and so I'm interacting with people who are gainfully employed and who like being part of the service industry. And so uh, I don't want to gloss over, you know, the struggle of some of the Caribbean uh, nations have uh, if it weren't for their tourism uh, industries. Um, but the resort that I was at, I mean, it was just such a happy, fun, loving time. People that seem to genuinely love doing what they do. Um, but this individual that I want to shout out um, is Johnny Gardens. Okay. I met a guy named Johnny Gardens, Dave, and you can imagine maybe what Johnny's a chosen line of work was with a name like Johnny gardens. And he, he would row back and forth along the, the ocean line property uh, in his kayak pedaling wares. And I'm sure were stocked with illicit substances. Yep. Um, but, but Johnny and I, I was, I was floating, uh, floating on a raft. Uh, I think my second day there, and, you know, I know not to approach these people, you know, I don't want to be, uh, you know, I don't partake in the, in those substances and I don't want to, you know, even, you know, be in a situation where I have to deal, uh, with, with talking someone out of trying to sell me something. But anyway, uh, 
he, he rolls by and, and shouts out, you know, you know, Hey brother, I want to talk to you or something. And so I just, I flashed him a, a peace sign. I didn't even turn around, just flashed him a peace sign. And he calls me out and, and, and basically says, uh, I see your spirit, uh, you know, one love, one love. And, you know, I don't even know if he was like, I mean, I don't even know if he was all there, mm-hmm. but just the idea of, of one love. And that's something that I heard so much while I was down there. Uh, it's something of a national, uh, you know, mantra. Um, it's just so appealing to me. You know, I think, you know, when you really get down to the crux of it, we're, we're more similar than, than we are different, uh, you know, as humans and, you know, we all have different experiences uh, and different things that inform our, you know, our, our, our lens and our approach to the world. Um, but, you know, just putting some love out there and we talk about staying positive and being kind. Those are two things I, I typically go back to. Well, I think work hard. I've hit on a Friday once or twice, but this idea of, of one love, uh, you know, it was just, uh, almost kind of threw me into a little bit of, a um, contemplative mindset for the, the rest of the day and just kind of thinking about, you know, what are ways that I can, you know, kind of love on the people, not, not that just are easy to love on in, in my life, but also people that maybe I don't get along with as much. Um, and just, you know, showing that type of, um, you know, outward gesture to them, uh, from day to day and week to week. So, so Johnny, man, I'm never going to forget our interaction. Um, and I appreciate you, uh, throwing me out that, that one love I'm throwing it back to you here on the airwaves. I'm quite sure that you will never hear this. Um, but it's out there in the universe for you, my friend. Um, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll try to do, uh, you and your country mates proud living up to it. Thanks for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Email us at RotovizFFShow at gmail.com. Visit RotoViz.com forward slash podcast for more information on listener only discounts. And until next time, thanks for stopping by.